Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally, voidware prohibited, must be 18 or older to enter, no purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Hit Like a Girl podcast is a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. One thing I love about working with them is that they're mission-driven, which means that they're dedicated to featuring authoritative shows, hosts, and guests who take on the tough topics in healthcare with empathy, expertise, and a commitment to excellence. If you're looking for bingeable content related to the healthcare industry, they've got more than 8,000 episodes on demand waiting for you. From professional development, the patient voice, digital health, innovation and entrepreneurship, and of course, health IT, they've got you covered. So this is your official invitation to check them out at healthpodcastnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. Today, we're talking with Megan Haas, the founder of Connected. It's a free social health sanctuary that supports community resilience through building stable, purposeful, peer-to-peer connection. She's really onto something too. Not only did Megan and I really connect in this conversation, but I was also able to join one of her community initiatives that have authentic, intentional conversations across generational divides. And the experience was so gratifying, it really felt like quenching a hunger that I didn't even know I had. Anyway, Megan is doing great things in the world, and I can't wait for you to hear everything she has to say. So take a listen. I'm Megan Haas, and I'm founder of Connected.org, and I'm super excited to be here and part of this conversation. Thank you for inviting me, Joy. So my part of the puzzle is really at the intersection of social culture and humane technology and whole health. And I feel like whole health and values-based care and social determinants of health are big talking points, finally, I think, because like some kind of enormous tanker organizations are slowly pivoting around towards recognizing the desperate need of ethical, trustworthy sanctuary spaces and systems that focus on the regeneration of the health of our human behavior. So... Connected is a remedy 
for the disenfranchisement that health consumers associate with the word healthcare. It's a remedy for health professionals who are burnt out and need to reconnect to their purpose of caring for others. And it's also a remedy for the kind of non-human focused technology and social platforms that privilege profits over impact and which are sadly the primary arenas where people find themselves searching, often in vain, for the areas of care that they're missing. I feel that healthcare systems are not equipped to heal or nourish us universally. And in America, we don't have the kind of social safety net that other countries have. So Connected is offering the world that safety net, a non-clinical, neutral, whole health system that runs parallel and in support of other clinical health systems. It's a free, global, and diverse public health community that nurtures and supports all people and health professionals equitably. And on the one hand, it does operate as a peer-to-peer support platform, and we have a lot of those around. But ours address how social and physical and emotional health questions and conditions must be acknowledged meaningfully at a time when people on platforms are finding it so incredibly difficult to separate truth from misinformation. And at the same time, Connected is really a global response towards repair on a foundational level. We've spent a lot of time to build custom purpose-built technology, to envision, create, and develop a site that is genuinely mothered by design, where people can shift away from feeling like they're a cog in a wheel and revolving around technology and politics and economics and health, and instead step into a community and a cultural health space and feel engaged and educated and welcomed. And I feel, you know, in light of this last year, we can really observe, you know, starkly all around us, the fault lines of how little respect and knowledge and trust people experience relating to their own health. And, you know, we need to regenerate, we need to reconsecrate and bring meaning back to how we become well and good and healthily developing people. Because I feel that the health of human behavior affects everything we do and how we live. So that is in in a nutshell, what Connected is trying to achieve and where, where my part of the health IT puzzle is. So if I were on the, if I were to interact with Connected, would I do so as like an individual, as a patient, or would it be something that I'm getting information through maybe a community center? Or how do I engage with, with, with all the information? It sounds like there's a, a solid community of people. How could I find you? Well, you would sign up to the site and you would start with your profile. You build your profile. The profile starts with three questions. What is your health story? What can you offer other people in terms of health hacks or journeys and rabbit holes you've been down? And what do you want help with? That's the first thing you do. Actually, the very first thing you do is you're surrounded by art and you pick a lot of art for your profile. The next thing you do is you go on your dashboard where there are many different tools and features that kind of build a road to organization and advocacy. There's notes you can make. And then the next thing that you would do if you are interested in solving a condition, you have an an insight to share or you have a question or a condition that you want to see if anybody else has also experienced, 
is you would, you know, put in a keyword search and our library of solutions would come up. And the library of solutions is really in three different levels. So the first level you would see are other members and other members you can, you know, you can interact by just reading their story. You might learn something just by reading their story, what they can offer, what they can give, or, you know, you can reach out through conversation and ask for, you know, ask a question or offer some advice. That's the first level. The second level is our story platform. So we have in the middle of the site kind of our cultural area, which has profiles and interviews and essays from people all over the world in health. So Connected is really culturally focused and globally focused. So we, we really focus on all the levers that transform health. So you might read a you know, a profile about a midwife in a tiny, you know, island in Canada or, you know, a doctor without borders or somebody who sings with people for health or community engagement directors in health, hospital administrators, and, you know, all the levers. We want people to understand all over the world, you know, we are the human health system and all these different things add up to health. I feel like we don't know enough we don't know about, about health around the world. We don't know about how people see trust around the world. These are really in-depth profiles. So you might learn something from that about your condition or your question. And then our, our last level are health professionals. So we have health professionals from all over the world unconnected. And that's something that we're, we're still working on and building. That's our subscription revenue model. But it's really focused on, you know, we don't debate whether the different worlds of medicine work or don't work. We don't invalidate. We level the playing field amongst practitioners and all health professionals. And we invite into that community, stakeholders, hospital admin, recently graduated, emeritus, teaching doctors, you know, hospice, body workers, everybody. We are trying to create a space of humanity that did not exist before with our health professional directory. So the whole site is really about building this culture of health and engaging with all the different ideas around it, you know, in-depth conversation, finding somebody who might be able to help you. You might be in a tiny town and have, you know, have a condition that no one can treat there and come on here and read about a doctor or a health professional or even a body worker who addresses that condition in a completely different way than you were used to. So the site is about education. It's about reaching out. It's really meant to inspire warmth and hope and present as a healthy community rather than kind of an illness or an ill society. So that's what you would do. It's, it's a pretty simple model when it comes down to it. It's really how you interact with it. We also have initiatives that we've been launching that are for everybody that might be experiencing different, you know, sort of more symptoms than just being a, a person who's questioning or interested in their health. So we have a long haul COVID and chronic condition wellness study. I feel like in general, Connected eliminates lots of conditions and communities that need to bring their health into a cohesive whole. And with long COVID especially, people are dismissed, unacknowledged. So our study is built on community engagement and medical anthropology. And the people who go on Connected and who participate in this study not only are hopefully going to show that that engagement helps, but also that it lessens the burden on the providers that they work with. We also have a really 
I think, beautiful initiative around aging. So I don't know if you've ever heard this, but someone said this to me last year, and I've never forgotten it. Every time an elder dies, a library burns down. So Connected is really leading out the air with the understanding that we're in grave danger of losing a worldwide generation of elders to COVID. So one of our main explorations in social health is a really crucial one. How do we use purpose-built technology to empower and engage and salvage the wisdom of our older generations? So before we go into another long, cold, lonely winter, we've just recently launched the Reciprocity Project, which is how we're addressing a framework for elders who seek to be part of an inclusive and welcoming and hopeful community. So it connects elders and seniors across to generations X, Y, and Z to explore and share connections and knowledge relating to social and emotional and physical narratives. So we have a like a Zoom group Every Tuesday, you can sign up on the site and we take eight people and they are facilitated groups where we have people of different generations talking to each other and sharing health narratives. And it is just an absolutely beautiful thing. I mean, I've seen 20-year-olds blowing the minds of 80-year-olds and 70-year-olds blowing the minds of 40-year-olds. And there's just been moments of absolute joy and synergy during these groups. And we're hoping to work with with different organizations to bring this framework outward. The thing about having a small, flexible, and yet kind of expansive platform like this is that we can pivot really quickly and we can create around, you know, around crises. I mean, all of this was was really envisioned long, long ago, but it was kind of, you know, the vision has been retrofitted over the years to withstand, to be able to withstand kind of a COVID magnitude earthquake that we're in right now. So Connected didn't sort of show up to, you know, to fit a need last year. It's been long uh, envisioning period. So you said something earlier about what you're doing is simple. And I feel like it's so expansive that it might, I mean, (laughs) what did they say? Like, just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. And it seems like when you're you're com- like building community is actually really a hard thing to do. So how do you? It's incredible to see on your website that there's essays and stories that people can read. And then you had just said that like people engage via Zoom. What like what are the mechanisms that people can interact? Is it like chat rooms online, or do you do these regularly facilitated Zoom calls? And I'm I'm kind of blown away by the Reciprocity Project. That just seems like such a cool idea. Oh, thanks. The rest of that, that project is like a separate initiative on Connected, which just does the Zoom groups. When people want to interact on Connected, they can just approach any other member. And there's a conversation platform that we, that we have where you can just, you know, we don't do chat rooms. We don't do groups or forums, everything is one-on-one. I don't believe in any kind of triangulation or audience kind of thing. That's one way that we feel that people dismiss or are you know, unkind to each other. So we have a conversation platform where you can approach any member. Um, it shows what time it is where they live so that you know, you're not feeling like you're left hanging in the wind. It's custom built and yeah, I mean. So does that kind of in the for- in formatting wise, is it kind of like, Engaging with a pen pal of sorts? Yeah, kind of. 
one, we have a couple of features that haven't been built yet. And one of them is called the global body buddy system. And that's really based on finding people who are very much geared towards you. So this, the, it's based on something called the self-health map, which is, is the feature that has not been built, which then engenders the body buddy system. And this is like a map. This is like a question that pops up every time that you're on your dashboard and you answer it. And the more that you answer these questions, the closer you get matched to people who you may or may not, you know, have anything in common with, but they're the person that you want to talk to. So the questions are really, again, around cultural health, you know, what, have you taken someone on a health journey? Would you do it again? You know, what does it feel like when you go to the doctor? You know, would you talk to somebody who likes crystals? You know, do you like to jump into a conversation or, or do you, you know, are you more modest about that? You know, all the things that, that sort of make up a portrait of your own health. So you can not only kind of start to behold yourself as a whole, but also, you know, come closer and closer to the people that you want to talk to. And, and these questions are not quantified by a yes and no, or maybe they're quantified or qualified by, you know, I want to talk to someone similar. I want to talk to someone different. I want to learn more about this. I can offer help in this area, that kind of thing. So when that feature gets built, which will be, you know, slowly but surely, people will be much closely, much more closely sort of matched to each other. But right now, you can go on, you know, you can go when you put in a keyword, let's say, you know, eyes, ears, whichever, you will see a little, you know, the cards come up of the members that have that in their profile. And you can read and use your intuition, you know, the way they write about themselves, the way they write about what they can offer or what they want. You can base whether you want to talk to that person, whether you have something to offer that person or not on their profile. And the profiles are just built to be gorgeous. They've got art all over them and they're very simple, very basic. The hardest thing I think for people is the part where they, you know, where they state what they want. And that's also what led to me kind of calling the reciprocity project what it is called. I've sewn hundreds of people onto the site, taken them through it. And, and when I do that, I find that they have no trouble talking about their health story the major medical events they've been through, the things that were misdiagnosed that they want other people to know about. They have no trouble offering, you know, people really want to offer, but people really have trouble asking for what they want around health, what they haven't learned yet about themselves. So, you know, I think this is such a big part of what we need to learn as humans is how to ask for help. We have some little widgets down at the bottom of the profile. They're not turned on yet, but they will be. And it really, it shows sort of how many people you have helped and how many people you've asked for help. And I think just seeing those numbers and the balance of them will be really uh, helpful for people to understand, you know, where they're kind of way off balance in that. Well, I love that concept. There's like, so what's coming up for me is when you ask the question of like, what's your health story? And a lot of times I feel oddly guilty for being, for actually not like having my health and being in, you know, not having a, a really significant like health story. I haven't really broken any bones. Like, uh, and I've been, you know, I'm, I'm in my forties and I'm, I don't have anything that I'm just like, Oh, this was a life changing event for me other than like being in a car accident or I broke my nose surfing back in my twenties. And 
I don't know how, like there's part, I, I recognize about myself, like I'm terrible at asking for help, but I also think that it's good to get into the practice of listening and taking in other people's story and like flexing the empathy muscle. And it feels like you're sort of literally offering all of that up on a platform, regardless of what somebody's health status is. Is that fair? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, you know, a lot of people say what you just said, but then when they start to think about it, they really, you know, they go back a little way and they think, well, there was that, there was that. I've had people come, you know, go through the platform and put simply something like, I, you know, my wife went through a cesarean section and it was really hard for her afterwards. And I'm here to talk to any other, you know, new fathers who have, you know, who have just gone through that. Even that is just a, like a simple thing. Even just saying, I've always been a healthy person. (laughs) Ask me why. (laughs) But I think just like, for instance, for, you know, on a personal level, like I got shingles in the middle of COVID and it was misdiagnosed three times. And apparently that happens all the time. And just, you know, putting an ongoing thing, you know, I had a major medical event when I was 14 that doctors would never be able to help anybody with, but I can help people with, you know, just simple things I think are really important. And even if you don't have one, yeah, just being on there is an exercise in being a witness. Well, I think even to your point about like being witness to, I think that, you know, regardless of my own personal health journey, I've definitely been there for people in my community who've had significant health issues or family members or, you know, I mean, just being a woman, people, so many in my friend group have experienced the loss of, you know, of a pregnancy or all sorts of things throughout our our life journey. So it sounds like you are a helper. You are the, you are the helper rather than the person who asks for it. Maybe you don't need it, but it sounds like what you said before was that you, you have a hard time asking for it. You know, I have found that there are like, I've met people who can take apart a car engine like inside and out, but cannot face going to the doctor. I think that the one thing I have observed so much about healthcare since building connected is that I see this, you know, heavily weighted coin with people and health professionals on either side that makes up the human health system. And, you know, I feel like there is so much emotion around how people approach their health. I think there's fear and shame and guilt and they kind of keep their health at arm's length. And when they go to the doctor, you know, finally they expect the doctor to be like priest and therapist and and social worker all at once and then they leave their health there with the doctor and you know skip home but you know this leads to this like really really you know weighted down side of the practitioner you know the burnout everything and so if we can just start to help people begin to self-reflect more begin to learn and advocate on behalf of their own health guide people like gently back to looking at themselves and and not feel like this disenfranchisement really start to think about health as a whole thing you know a multifaceted incredible part of our lives that is you know that's made up of everything around us i think that we would start to even up that coin a bit but instead we have we have i think the side of the health professionals is is way way heavier 
So we're trying to really even the coin by gently reintroducing people to what is health on a much more holistic, you know, values-led level. I think we need this more than ever right now. Especially when you go to the doctor and they've only got 15 minutes to give you, they can't be everything to you. There's just no way. Exactly. There are people who make, you know, make an appointment every week for that same 15 minute slot just to talk about their heart, (laughs) you know, how they're feeling in their heart, not like their heart heart. I think, you know, it's that emotional need that can be resourced through other people all over the world. You know, I mean, I feel like, especially this year, I mean, well, I believe in the concept of a global family. I mean, you've traveled, right? You're a traveler. Yeah, quite a bit. Yes. Would you say that you have had conversations with dynamic strangers that have changed your life on a bus or a train or a plane? Easily. All the time. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. There are people who have never had that experience. And even on, on lockdown or in this, you know, sort of newly sort of still world that we're in, I think it's so important to remember that a train is a train is a train, a road always leads somewhere and that there are good people everywhere and that we are a global family. We are all fictive kin on the deepest level and we can reach out to others. We, you put people together anonymously and connected is anonymous in the same room with the same you know, condition or question and they're going to find common ground. So it's so important to remember that we are the human health system, all of us. I mean, we are a kinetic organism that needs to work together. And that is, you know, that is really what we're trying to do here. Is I love that. And I, well, I mean, I love that you're actually voicing it, that we all have something to give and the importance of remembering the, the good in people. I think that especially given what comes across a lot of our feeds and divisiveness is just is exactly that is just like negative. I think that when you have an opportunity to engage with individuals, either one-on-one, whether it's through travel or even virtual and meeting people from different places, that you can't help but find that people are genuinely good. And if they have an opportunity to have a positive impact in your life, most likely they would take it. And of of ourselves, I think that's true. I mean, and and I think that that's like a self- I don't know, fulfilling like wheel that it just sort of like, it like re-engines itself. It's like, it feels good to be a positive impact in somebody's life. And so once you kind of get that good feeling, you're like, well, how can I do more? And to be honest, I think that spreading that type of joy, even if it's just in a moment or in a chat of being able to like, I don't know, do something good for somebody else or, and, and, or receive you know, information that you otherwise wouldn't have access to is really something special. That is like exactly true. I mean, you've really hit the nail on the head. I really find that we, you know, we find significance in ourselves by giving. And I think of the the internet, like (laughs) I know that there is goodness everywhere, just like you're saying, you know, if you look for the good, you'll find it. But what we really need is, you know, the kind of structure that harnesses that good. And so Connected is really built to be a structure that harnesses the vitality in the right way with the right pathways where people can't kind of argue with how we are made, who's running it, you know, everything. You know, we don't take investment. We don't have backers. It's, you know, very transparent. 
I truly believe in this idea of, of nourishment by design. And, you know, when it comes to technology, when it comes to anything, I, you know, I have a very personal attachment to this feeling because I myself was nurtured by design. I went through a pretty big surgery when I was little and it's, you know, I have been able to, to take that into all of my work. So, so wait, could we talk about this for just a moment and no need to get into anything personal if you don't want to, but how did you even, like, how did Connected begin? How did this start? And you had mentioned to me, you know, earlier that like, you didn't expect that your life would be involved in mainstream healthcare. Like, how did you end up where you are? Let me ask you this. Have you ever felt like your life and work and education were like a series of epiphanies that sort of lift and lifted and carried and placed you on the next part of your life? Absolutely. I feel like I've, I've run into things that I'm like, oh, that influenced the next chapter of my life, which influenced the next chapter of my life. And I look back and I think, oh, none of this wouldn't have happened if that one event when I was 14 <laughs> exactly. you know, it didn't happen. 14 is the magic number. Isn't yeah. It? <laughs> Everything happens. Well, I mean, I could definitely talk about, you know, what happened to me when I was 14, but I could also just, you know, say that it's hard to talk about connected without talking about my, my childhood in a way, because it really came like all those threads, you know, there are so many threads and pathways that, that lead us into, you know, where we are. So you know, when I was a kid, I was a really serious gymnast and I thought I was going to become an acrobat and I was dead set on living a life of adventure. I wanted to see the world. I did not want children or to get married. I really just, I wanted to like shake the tree of life by the roots. That was my whole, my whole MO. And um, this ambition was definitely interrupted <laughs> at age 14. So, but to go back a little further, I was really raised with, you know, with the knowledge that business is rooted in community and community is rooted in culture. My dad was an electronics designer and an inventor, and he was just, he was an early shaper of technology. And on my mom's side, I come from a family of writers. My mom was a journalist. I was brought up in a home full of books and circuit boards and the nuts and bolts of business were right in front of me every day, literally, like there were nuts and bolts everywhere. <laughs> so I was, um, you know, I had that kind of entrepreneurial thing at home. My parents both had offices in the home. I was educated in a Rudolf Steiner community. I don't know if you know anything about Waldorf schools. Not a lot, just enough, probably enough to get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're very, you know, they're very interdependent communities. They have, you know, mine had an old folks home, a biodynamic farm, a pond, a homeopathic pharmacy, a woods, a guest house for visiting scholars. The kids played with the old folks. Everything was very interdependent and everything, you know, most of my uh, teachers were, were not from America. There was a lot of music involved. There was a lot of languages. There was a lot of sort of search for self. My first multiple choice test was the SATs. Um, it's all about writing and community. And then I was also raised Quaker and learned to engage with silence and feel at home with it at a very early age. The values that drive my company are, and all my companies are the pursuit of truth, no matter where it leads and lack of coercion. So those values guide me personally and professionally. And my whole family played music and spent a lot of time in musical communities. So, you know, I'm a sharer of songs and stories and fiddle tunes and I understand the rhythm of bringing people together to, to celebrate and to heal. So these were the cultures and communities that I was raised with. And that's just to kind of give a baseline 
of where I was at when I was 14, (laughs) which was when I was diagnosed with severe scoliosis. And, you know, it totally changed my trajectory. My parents were completely open with me that I was going to have a life altering surgery. And they felt it was important for me to take ownership of this and wanted me to choose the doctor and the method of the surgery myself. So this isn't a normal decision for a 14 year old, but that decision was something that I've never stopped being grateful for. You know, it allowed me to exercise my intuition and my self agency and my ability to understand, you know, a situation and make a choice around health. And this ignited a lifelong sense of health, self health. Hang on, I have to take ignited a sense of self health advocacy and was really a big part of the health empowerment that I know other people can also experience on Connected. So, I live my life with seven pounds of stainless steel in my back and there's a constant balance between this rigidity and this flexibility that you have to live with and evolve with. And that is how, you know, I kind of saw myself as this wild, wild thing, like a frangible sapling that was allowed to grow untwisted and untangled. And that's how I see technology. And anyway, so that's, you know, that's just one way of going back to that, you know, that analogy of the, you know, the structure for the goodness and the vitality. But in terms of, you know, how I got into all of this, you know, I think entrepreneurism really found me. I didn't look for it. I dropped out of college after two years and moved to a place where I could play a lot of music and just and grow tomatoes and think about what life would be. I was found by entrepreneurism through a group of parents who wanted me to create a school for their children. And so my first business, I, I, did, not, I did not realize at the time where I was living because I was not a parent that there were no private schools. There was a Christian school for boys and that all these back to the landers had, had moved there and didn't want to homeschool their children, but kind of had to because they were all intellectuals. And so I realized there was kind of a gap. They invited me to tea. They'd you know, heard I went through a Waldorf school education and, and they wanted me to start a school for their kids. And I was like, I can't do that. But it alerted me to what the missing pieces were. And I was able to, you know, within 24 hours, I had this fully formed vision of what I needed to do. And I was able to, with the help of my best friend, create a education and, you know, educational and socialization program for rural homeschool girls. And that was my first business. And it completely, like, I never thought, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. I just thought this is, this is what they need. I have to help them. And, um, and I was actually able to pivot back to that this year with a one-room schoolhouse in my backyard. But anyway, that's another, that's an aside. Oh my goodness. (laughs) <laughs> that's another that's another school another thing that i'm that i'm running is a is a one-room schoolhouse but basically you know my work as an entrepreneur as a cultural entrepreneur has it's just been variations on a theme throughout my life and connected really coincided with kind of a personal and societal level transformative moment for me so it was 2009 and i had left a company that i had co-founded called utila kilts which was a kilt company for guys with you know, that made big camo and Carhartt kind of kilts um, with big pockets and tool belts. Do you know Nick? Do you know Nick from um, Pink Socks? I don't. Oh my gosh, you got to know him. So he basically only wears kilts and a gentleman who works in healthcare and is doing his best to spread spread kindness. But he does so, but just by just like making the statement of like, I only wear kilts from here on out. Anyway, (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. We we met a lot of those. Yeah, it was a really interesting company. It was the company where I was, it was big enough, you know, at the time that I left, it was 80,000 people all over the world where I was, I had been able to create a company culture in the shape of the communities that I had grown up in. So, you know, my approach to, to how we built that was, that's a whole thing in itself. But basically, I had built this 80,000 strong, healthy, global customer community, and I had left it. And for society, it was really the transformative moment for, you know, it was the explosion of the social networks. So I saw Facebook presenting as a global community, but I saw it was missing these incredibly crucial elements. Connectivity was there, but, you know, connectivity is not connection. Culture building wasn't there. Service to others was not there. This whole idea of social media, to me, was just so going down the wrong crossroad. You know, it should have been going towards social service. So literally, I had another, you know, I had another epiphany. (laughs) I immediately kind of envisioned a more expansive model, you know, a platform that offered nourishment and a sense of home and belonging. Like at that point, I think we all thought the internet was going to be this incredible incredible thing. And I feel like it kind of went in this other direction. So at that time, it was basically 18 years ago, I sort of thought I want to create a global culture grounded, not in social media, but in social services and good health and education. And I was a huge traveler at that time, even then. But, you know, I had friends all over the world. And I remember thinking, you know, how can I bring these people all together? I didn't know how to build a tech company. So I began with what I did know, which was sort of designing systems of authentic connection and translating those gestures into sort of the digital sphere. And I made all these mock-ups and models. And in the meantime, I broke my vow, got married and had a baby fairly, you know, fairly later than I I thought I I would ever do anything like that. And we moved to London and I interacted with a free healthcare system for the first time, which was kind of an amazing thing. And this gave me a very fresh perspective on the American health system. So when I returned home, it was kind of a big, big cluster of things going on. It was the day, you know, we left London the day Brexit was announced, like the day the paper hit the sidewalk and came home to sort of Trump sort of wending his way forward. The social networks were all repeatedly betraying the trust of their members or what they would call their users. Me Too was exploding. Sweeping reforms in Medicare and Medicaid were happening. My daughter was three and I had sort of laid down the foundation that I needed to with her by, you know, not doing anything except for being with her. And I felt like I was ready to reform myself as a as a, as a woman, as a business person, I saw the financial limitations that prevent Americans from preserving and improving their own health and the constraints they face when caring for one another and how choosing doctors and alternative forms of medicine is so challenging and also how burnt out health practitioners have be- become. And it was then that I decided to sort of bring Connected back from the back burner and focus, you know, just really narrow my focus to healthcare. It was the story that we needed at that time, you know, healthcare that was centered on community and relationships and global culture. So, you know, I felt like this is the moment when we need that safety net. 
So, and I really feel like as an aside that every big disaster is like a, a unique constellation of smaller ones. And even before COVID, we needed this. But from the perspective of being a social and cultural entrepreneur, which is how I see myself, the social networks, especially the social networks, erosion of trust and lack of understanding around basic human acknowledgement is like, I think I see it as more than a destructive force. I think it is a lethal combination for people that is resulting in so much more depression and inadequacy and anxiety and loneliness. And it has really further deconsecrated our idea of our idea of what it means to be well. And this was really the focus for me in trying to create something very different when it came to technology. So anyway, at this point, I was just one person. I didn't know how to build a technology company again, you know, but I began. I just started talking to people. I just started, I just dove in. I didn't even know what what I was diving into, but I live in Seattle. I've got friends in tech. And for the last four years, I, you know, I've been doing this. I I found, um, you know, there were lots of pitfalls, lots of disappointments, major mistakes. But when I found my development team, after looking all over the world, I found them four blocks away. Everything began to fall into place. So that is really, you know, that's how it started. And it has evolved in many, many ways since then. You know, we had a working demo at one point, And I remember thinking about funding. I was never going to go for venture. I was never going to go for investment. I did look a little bit at grants. But at some point, I just decided I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to get some money from my own life and I'm going to start the prototype. And so on that day, it was an amazing day. I felt like a moment of pure uplift. And on that day, I started writing about all these thoughts about everything that I'd been thinking about, about health. And a few weeks later, I was asked to present at at this health summit in Amsterdam. And we weren't ready for that. Our site hadn't launched, not even 50%. But by October, when this health summit happened, we had, we launched the day of the health summit, the day I flew to Amsterdam and gave a 15 minute presentation about community and relationships. And that was in November. It was a small conference with, you know, I learned a lot about European health systems. And um, a few months later, COVID happened. At that time, at that conference, I was approached by someone from the European Commission, and I had flown to Brussels to have a conversation about connected with someone there. That was in March. And so the, you know, when I, upon flying home and having the schools closed two weeks later, you know, I felt a greater urgency. But in terms of, you know, paying for connected and going one step forward and two steps back and building features and anchoring the site into society, you know, different organizations. We work only with public and social health, arts and culture and education and family. It's been a slow evolving process and I have been appreciative of that slowness. At times I've been really frustrated by it, but it has enabled us to work, you know, work new thoughts into the infrastructure of the company in real time, which is great. And I'm not trying to get a million people I'm connected. I don't, I'm not anybody else's entrepreneur. I do not twist myself into shapes to fit marketplace mentalities. We are who we are. We do what we do. The site is flexible and, you know, small enough to purr along in maintenance mode or big enough to bring on organizations that we're in talks with. 
So that is, um, that's kind of where we're at right now. Well, so a couple things come up for me. One, I love the holistic approach of the whole concept. So when you're talking about, you know, comparing what you're building to a social network, the fact that you're building in reciprocity and being of service to others and actually like, you know, this musical side and writing and artistic, it's very, it sounds very just creative and like holistic, genuinely considering that we are whole people and not necessarily, and members, not users. Like, like when I think of social networks, I think of people trying to be influencers and I don't, I'm not hearing that that's where you're coming from. It's not like, hey, what kind of influence can I have? It's what kind of difference can I make? How can I, you know, be of service versus show off this shiny thing that I may have? And something that has come to my attention recently that helped me kind of understand a little bit my own and I guess genuinely people's need for chaos. I never had heard that before, that we actually as humans need chaos. I never would have guessed that, but what happens is the way that it was explained was, you know, a tumultuous event happens, something chaotic and what, and as an individual or even as a group, you start to make order of it. Okay. Let me start to make sense. And our, you know, there's, it's basically this like ebb and flow of order and chaos that allows us to reach higher highs and higher lows to build upon you know, the, the story arc of our life. Cause if you can imagine the way that it was described is like, if our life was just in one linear straight line, you know, from one part of our timeline to the very end, like we would all go nuts. Like that would just be really, really boring and not really feel like maybe we're getting something out of it, but it is in the turmoil, right? The milestones, the craziness the, uh, that is part of being human that that's where like the stories live and it gives people an opportunity to help one another and to engage with one another and, you know, be there for support or, and to find meaning in it. And um, I asked a lot of our guests, you know, what do you do outside of your work to help keep you sane? And I'm sure you can answer that, but it sounds like what you're doing even within your work is taking account of all these different areas of your life and, and of your community. Would, would you agree to that? I would agree to that. I think, you know, having a long-term vision of how to carry out your work physically, emotionally, publicly, you know, that takes time and it takes money. <laughs> it takes patience and grace, which you have to extend to others as well as yourself. And I think that's kind of the antithesis of an influencer, which I think is much more impermanent in that you are, you know, you're trying to get you know, a response, which might be that chaos, you know, a response as much as you can. And, and, and also, I think that, you know, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I feel like platforms like Instagram are taking in normal people and spitting out, I don't want to say narcissists, but spitting out people who, you know, have displaced the wealth of their inside for, you know, the validation of their outside. And that whole idea is really it's terrifying to me. So, well, I think that it's set up that like where the only, the only opportunity that people have to engage is to press a heart or leave a comment. Right. And it's, that's not true engagement. And you're like collecting follows or collecting, this is very numerical, right? It's like, 
Absolutely. And I don't think that that's how we are as humans. Like, and I think to your point of being small enough, you know, I think that sometimes when we are quantifying like, okay, how big is your impact? The, not necessarily the opposite is true, but like if you're big enough to make a difference, I like that's worthy and valuable of doing. And so it sounds like it's all happening in a very, you know, natural way. And I totally am with you as far as at one, I think it like for me in particular, when I think about like, okay, what are, what are the areas that I want to grow in my life? Like I want to be sort of the driver and builder of momentum and not necessarily like, not to say that I don't want to work with others, but to take, if you take on additional money, then what I have seen happen is that you tend to, one tends to lose you know, or dilute the vision or the mission of an organization because now you're serving somebody else. That is so spot on. I, my feeling is that, you know, when you work for another company, they are working you. I totally agree with that. I do need balance outside of work though. I mean, I, I don't think of it as work in a way. Like I've never really seen anything I do as work. I love what I do just in general. And I try and do it in a rhythm. You know, at the same time, I am running a school in my backyard So that takes a lot of my time too. My main focus right now is definitely how to stay balanced, how to keep my my child having a love of learning and in a socialization experience, how to save the (laughs) save the world, (laughs) how to buy the world a Coke. I don't know. I have a lot of of things that I want to achieve, but I'm not I know that they are achievable. In a different rhythm, you know, by flowing against the counterflow. That's something that I've always felt very okay about. But otherwise, you know, staying balanced, you know, long walks, lots of cooking, lots of cuddles for my eight-year-old, being alone to recharge is important to me. I bought a treadmill this winter, which definitely helped when it was raining here in Seattle. Listening to, you know, the wise words of other people who have gone before me on similar journeys and been able to reflect back is super helpful for me. And another way of recharging is really when something kind of amazing happens with Connected, you know, a partnership opportunity or a development milestone, you know, it can be really energizing to see something take form when you've taken the time to build it really carefully. So I guess that and just, you know, constant exercises in perspective really kind of helped me out. What about you? Well, you said something earlier that I just literally wrote down. I'm just like the way that you engage with silence and even from the list that you just, you know, threw out there, it feels like it's, feels like you've learned on several different ways to engage in with silence. And that can be in the form of, you know, just taking it all in or exercising or going for a walk, noticing the leaves, you know, on, on a tree that are moving mm-hmm. and, you know, watching the birds. I, yeah, for me, I try to get outside every single day. I've actively been going to the gym again and I'm starting to feel the results of that which feels good as I'm getting older I'm just like it's more and more important for me to feel healthy both inside and out and I have an active meditation practice so that's something that I kind of fall back into at any time there's a lot of standing meditation sleeping meditations you know morning evening and then as things like come up and I have found that that helps me kind of manage chaos with a little bit more of a of a balance and to not be so reactive 
there's been a couple, I live in Mexico, right? And so sometimes uh, lately I've been saying like, I think I moved into a telenovela and (laughs) there's a little bit of drama that goes on sometimes. And it's nice to be able to have a practice that allows me to stay grounded and either not engage or not react or not take things on that are not mine. And, you know, just like not get caught up in, there's a lot of things to get caught up in that we can like get, that could bog us down. And I feel like that practice and even in engaging in the silence allows me to just like stay true to my purpose and my focus and what it is that I like want to spend my time doing. Really wise. If you were unconnected, I would put that as my health story because, or your health story, because people need to see that they need to know that this is something that helps because then, then they might think to themselves, Hmm, Maybe I should try that. I mean, I was sitting, I mean, I love to meditate. Actually, I don't, I don't love it, but I, I do it on occasion, but I don't have a practice. And when I hear you talking about it, I, the first thing I think is I have to get back to it because listen to what she's saying. It's, it's so, it's like creates such a great baseline. So I find myself like, even just there's things that could have maybe a, a prior version of myself would have just been super upset over something. Or I would have like found myself like, Oh, tell me more. I need to know all the details of the gossip or the whatever. And I'm like, it's, I don't need to know. It's none of my business. And also let me just maintain a level head. I'm like, how much of my efforts do I want to spend getting angry over something I don't have any control over or that wasn't about me, you know, and trying to just kind of make sense of things of like, there's so much going on in the world. Like how much of it do I need to take personally? Not much of it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, one thing I did forget to mention is acupuncture. I have acupuncture every week. I'm pretty sure that it's my meditation. (laughs) It really helps over the years to just stay really sane. Well, Megan, I feel like we could probably talk for ages. I feel like I could learn a lot from you in what you're doing. And I really admire what you're up to. Thanks. If people want to get involved with Connected, if they want to be part of your community, how would you recommend that they do so? Well, I would recommend that they sign up. People can join us as a free member and share their stories and collaborate. They can just go to connected.org and sign up. People can also join as health professionals, and that is a way to grow their visibility and share their humanity and combat for you know burnout and compassion fatigue. And we welcome health professionals across all disciplines and cultures. And that is a paid annual subscription based on the size of their organization and their income. So we operate on the honor system with that. Yeah, so it's pretty simple. Just go to connected.org. If you are an elder, you can, or somebody who wants to be part of the reciprocity project of any generation, you can go to that link. If you have long COVID or another chronic condition and want to be part of our wellness study, which is in conjunction with Whitman College out here in Walla Walla, then you can go to that link. We have a little something for everybody. I love it. And I love what you're doing. So thank you for sharing with me and with our audience. Oh, thank you, Joy, for inviting me to share and for listening so well and and all the wonderful observations on your part. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle hit like a girl pod. Thanks again. See you soon. 
This episode is brought to you by Chirpy Bird Inc. CMS's Merit-Based Incentive Payment System, or MIPS, is super complex. And if clinicians ignore the program or perform poorly in it, it can result in a hit to their revenue and reputation. Chirpy Bird is proud to say that more than 95% of its clients are exceptional performers in MIPS, meaning they've maximized the score that directly translates into their Medicare reimbursement rate. Chirpy Bird offers their audit-proof services to practices of all sizes through an affordable monthly subscription that includes unlimited access to a regulatory expert who guides them in knowing what data to track, how to create workflows that make capturing that data easier, and ensures that they submit it all to CMS on time and performing at its best. Contact Chirpy Bird today or learn more at chirpybirdinc.com. That's chirpybirdinc.com.